nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart far more powerful than memory alone. This device isn't a spaceship, it's a time machine. It goes backwards, forwards, takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called The Wheel, it's called Lost. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we are here to talk about Exodus Part 2. Part two of the three-part finale. Technically, it's Exodus part two, part one. Yeah, Emma, first impressions on this episode. Uh, what'd you think? I liked it. It wasn't as good as last episode, I think. But I'm sure it's like setting stuff up for the next uh, portion of it. So just like keeping in mind that it's not really a full episode. That is what we're talking about today. I think is important because I think it's setting up for a lot of stuff in the following episode and following podcast episode for us yes yeah there's no real like resolution to anything in this episode it's all set up um there's some interesting there's one character i guess who gets the ultimate resolution and i can't wait to talk about it (laughs) um but the uh yeah overall it's it's all set i mean it was probably written in mind so that there was some sort of structure to it so that because i'm sure that they knew hey we're doing a two-part episode this isn't going to run as two parts in the future. It'll be split up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nothing. Um, I mean, we talked about it last week, but part one ended with such a great sense of finality. This one doesn't have that yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. But all right, well, let's get into this. Uh, it aired on May 25th, 2005. It is again directed by uh, Jack Bender, uh, written by Damon Lindelof and Carlson Cues. We open on. Uh, the babies, I guess turnip head at this point still, I, the baby's crying. Uh, Charlie is trying to get Claire to leave the beach. Um, she is struggling with the baby and all the stress of having to deal with the baby and all this insane island stuff all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Claire, uh, she pretty much just in this entire episode is just at like a hundred, right? Like yeah. in terms of worry and worrying about her baby, which I think is uh, 100% fair. It's one of the things that, like, it's like a criticism that people put all the time it is that uh, Claire is always, like, screeching about her baby and Michael's always, like, shouting for Walt. But it's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Those are, like, the two most important things. Uh, Saeed uh, is leading everyone to the cave, so Charlie wants a gun to be able to protect Claire. I, I mean, they just heard the story last episode, right, of... Rousseau's baby getting taken from her after the black smoke appeared and the black smoke just appeared. It makes sense, but like there's also nothing that Charlie, there's like no concrete thing that Charlie thinks that he's going to need to shoot at yet. Yeah. Like, so it's, it is weird. I, if I was Saeed, I would also say no, which is what he does. Yeah. I would say no, but here's the thought too. Like, why not ask Claire if she feels comfortable having a gun? Like, sure, yes. she is, like, upset, but, like, rightfully so. And yeah. if anybody would be the best at, like, protecting herself and her baby, it would be her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, you know, they, they make a big deal about, like, uh, you know, people know, whether or not people know how to handle a gun. Um, you definitely need some training to, like, really be able to handle one effectively. But, I mean, everyone knows the basics of it, right? Yeah. Keep your finger off the trigger until you're going to shoot and, you know, probably keep the safety on at all times unless you're planning on shooting. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that they should have given the baby a gun. Yeah. 
Because really, Why the not? baby is the one that's the most in danger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Saeed uh, refuses and says, if you really want to help Claire, like, help her get her baby to the caves, uh, which is fair. That's and fair. it's also something that Charlie doesn't do. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Artst theorizes that a tsunami brought uh, the Black Rock inland that far. They say that they're like a couple miles inland. He's so wise. Yeah, he knows. He, I mean, look, he knows everything about the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I still don't even really know how that would... Because there's not like... Tsunamis get huge, but they're not like miles long, right? Like miles... They're not like miles high. That would be insane. It. So I still don't... Like, how would a tsunami still get them that far in? If a tsunami was carrying a boat, it would be crushed. There would be yes. no dynamite to grab. There would be yeah. nothing. It would just be, like, a shipwreck. Yeah. <laughs> so. I I also, something I thought about when he said that, I don't know what it was, but, like, it's got to suck that they just, like, made this little, like, dinky raft. And now it's like, oh, hey, there's, like... of a boat in the jungle. And we also have 40 people who can, like, over time get this thing to the the water. (laughs) But, yeah, they, uh, Rousseau leaves. Jack kind of tries to stop her, but she's just gone. And Locke says that he'll be the one to lead them back. Hurley and Arst do, again, the Scooby-Doo thing uh, and stay outside while everybody else uh, goes inside. And they discover that it was, it's a, a slave ship that was probably going to some sort of uh, mining colony. Locke says probably from like Mozambique. I didn't look at a map does, or anything. Does that make sense? I don't does that think check so. Out? Okay. That would, that would never be the quickest way, right? Like, I, I guess, I guess I don't know. Maybe there's mining, maybe I'm just thinking of a mining colony as being in the Americas yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess I never, I guess I don't know how far, I mean, if we're measuring distance from Mozambique to Fiji versus America, who knows, maybe it is, uh, maybe it is easier to go that way. They, uh, <laughs> uh, Kate finds the dynamite while they're looking, uh, and then back outside, Arts laments to Hurley that he's not part of the cool kid clique, and Hurley is like just completely uninterested yeah. <laughs> and doesn't, doesn't see it at all. Uh, this feels like Art's kind of doing the, like, they're giving him stuff to say, but it's kind of just them, like, being meta about the show, right? Because I'm sure at this point they've gotten that criticism that, like, it's weird that the show just focuses on 12 people, but they still kept 40 other, like, live bodies around. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's just divided into, like, movie star sexy people and then, like, just all the regular uh, hot people that are in the background. Mm-hmm. And that's, so Arts is mad that he's not part of the movie star uh, group. Um, <laughs> Kate wants to pickaxe the box open, which uh, is extremely funny to me. She seems genuinely offended when they say, no, it needs to go outside, which is, yeah, that's just so funny. That's her, to like, what they've already been told Dynamite is extremely unstable. That's why they're putting up with Arts. Mm-hmm. They bring the box outside. Arts is in the middle of getting mad at Hurley. Yet another character who's mad at Hurley that he hasn't lost enough weight yet. Uh, and uh, But then he quickly shifts his rage over to uh, them handling the dynamite. Uh, this this whole thing is funny. Um, the it, It's so... Matthew Shepard's face, he's so... Like, I wonder if he just didn't like Daniel Roebuck as well. Because he truly, like, just despises mm-hmm. arts. It's so funny. 
he explains how uh, dynamite sweats nitroglycerin. Um, have you ever seen the movie Sorcerer? No, I haven't seen that. It's, Who's in it's it? from. Uh, well, it's in the seventies. I'm not. I guess I don't know the actors. It's directed by like William Friedkin, who did the The Exorcist. Oh, okay. But that's a. It, it's a movie about uh, like they basically these these two groups have to get. Or these two cars need to get across South America carrying dynamite, but it has that same thing where the dynamite is sweating out the nitroglycerin, so it's like really unstable, mm-hmm. and so it's really tense. All these situations that they have to get through, um, and I always thought that this was like based on that or like a, a reference to that, but apparently it's a reference to a 1953 movie called The Wages of Fear, which is basically the same. Uh, premise and it kind of seems like maybe sorcerer was a remake of of some kind yeah it's uh <laughs> he i don't know this it's just funny they they make him so unlikable in this yeah. uh like just they really want you to not feel bad about him dying mm-hmm. at all and it works <laughs> and yeah and it works his the last thing he does before he dies is demand kate's shirt um, yeah and calls her princess in the same breath yes yeah, which it is, so like, you know, later they are wrapping the dynamite in other shirts, which means that he could have just asked somebody from a different shirt from their bag. Um, so he definitely just singled out Kate there. It kind of tells you exactly what kind of high, like, which high school teacher he was. Yeah. Which is always so funny. I, I, I mean, I guess I can't say all of them, but I feel like everybody had like a teacher where they were like, oh yeah, and this teacher's like just like a pervert. And like yeah. every student knows that. Um uh, which is wild, <laughs> but that feels like that's ours. Anyways, yeah, he blows up. He gets blown up by dynamite. <laughs> He's gesturing with the dynamite, and it uh, it goes off. Uh, he, everybody gets like showered with little bits and pieces that of him. Gross! I'm so surprised <laughs> that that was on ABC. It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's not bloody, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like there's there's blood. Like the pieces are kind of blood ish. But it's kind of like they just got hit with, like, dried out pieces of steak. Yeah. Is what it looks like they got hit with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the only way they get away with that, is by making it so bloodless and, like, instant. Like, it's not, it's, it's like, gruesome, but not in a way, not in the same way as, like, uh, having to look at them chopping up Boone's leg or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, Emma, you had some words that you wanted to say about uh, the life and death of uh, Leslie Arts. Uh, you you had a, a a bit of a service planned that you wanted to do on the podcast. Oh man, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Les, is that okay if I call you Les? Um, thank you so much for <laughs> everything that you've done for the group. You've been a creep. You've been a liar. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll miss you, buddy. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say, uh, Nolan? Um. Yes, I had a song planned. Angry. So. If you don't mind, I'd just like to go into, oh, Leslie boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. I've got tears. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. You know, it, in these season finales, they're always writing characters off. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the best go. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, Arts. See you later. Um, maybe we'll see you in some flashbacks later on. That'll be fun. Uh, I do think that this 
there's a missed opportunity here, which is that when he blew up, they should have cut to Rousseau in the jungle now thinking that they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Um, because she would have just heard a big bang. Yeah. And then I guess just kept going. That's true. Although maybe she's just sprinting at this point, doesn't hear it. But In flashback, we see... So Jin goes to the bathroom after, you know, Sun knocks the drink over on him. We do in the background see Saeed is being let go by the airport officials. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jin goes in the bathroom, starts washing his shirt in the sink. So this is not as still not as bad as the Kate one from last episode, to be clear. This is an extremely weird interaction. Yeah. So he goes into... Uh, the bathroom, right? And this guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt comes up to him and says, hey, uh, could you hand me a paper towel? So, like, just to start off here, that's disgusting. You want somebody to hand you a paper towel with their wet hands? Yeah. Like, you want an already wet paper towel, you freak? (laughs) So, already this guy, I mean, he's doing it as a weird intimidation thing, but already I, you know, this guy is disgusting and I hate him. Yeah, diabolical. He's no arts, uh, that's for sure. And so then Jin goes, you know, I don't really understand. He gives like the, you know, I don't understand what you're saying thing. And the guy goes, oh, you don't speak English, of course. And then he goes over and then in Korean and he says, ah, here's a paper towel. But the word for paper towel in Korean is apparently also paper towel. So why would Jin not have understood it? Like, with just context clues, Jin could have at least figured out that this guy wanted a paper towel. Yeah, very weird. He basically threatens Jin. He says that he works for Sun's father, Mr. Peck. Peck knows that he's planning on running, um, and he threatens Jin and says, you're going to go deliver that watch. You're never going to be free. Yeah. I don't know. The, the whole thing with the language, it feels like a weird... It feels like them needing to have a reveal for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's kind of why the Sun flashback was so weak. Because they had to like set up Jin going into the bathroom. Sure. Although I guess they don't really, because why couldn't Jin have just been washing his hands after going to the bathroom, too? It's it, it's weird. It's a very weird... Um, I don't care for it too much. Yeah, I guess the thing that, like, made me, uh, like, circle it back to some of the other themes that we've seen so far, um, I think that the watch is a better token than the airplane. And that's, like... All I could really think about, like, this recurring item that kind of has, like, maybe some mystery surrounded by it. Because we don't really know, like, why it's so important that he brings the watch to California yet, do we? No. I it, All we know is that he's doing it as a favor for Peck, delivering it to his to one of his, like, business associates. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. So I was just thinking of, like, I mean, that's an interesting way to add some mystery to an item um yes you're right you yeah. know but th- well because it, it it has like narrative significance right in that it's the thing that it, it's the thing that's been weighing Jin down mm-hmm. but it also has this symbolic significance where it doesn't matter anymore that Jin was going to deliver the watch because now you know he's he is free and also the watch i mean michael kind of calls it out when on the episode where they deal with it but like the watch is an extremely expensive watch, and now it's one of the least useful things that you could have on this island. Right. Because time doesn't matter. So it's like, it's got some good uh, parallels, like, just with the, the narrative. Whereas the toy plane has, like, some real parallels in the sense that it is the exact plane that 
Kate crashes in. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we got a chance to be mad about the plane in this episode, too. I know. <laughs> Can we do it in season two? We'll find out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We might have a toy plane uh, bitching corner at the end of every uh, episode from now on. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but anyways, as Jin is being told that he's not free and he'll never be free, uh, we cut to him being free as a damn bird on the raft as it is going out to sea. We Obviously, we've talked about how the raft is a bad idea that doesn't stop this from looking absolutely idyllic and fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they're in some sort of tank or whatever, but you've got the the slow, the, just the calm sea, the, the blue skies. The sun on their faces. I mean, yeah, they're all going to be completely like lobsters by the time they get picked up by something. But they wonder about how a place as big as the island never got discovered. Again, that feels like them trying to like, I I think that's partially just there so that people realize like, oh, there's more to the island that they haven't discovered yet. It's not like some tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. Sawyer starts singing Redemption Song by Bob Marley. Singing it to himself as he's uh, <laughs> gathering up a piece of rope. There is this really weird interaction where, <laughs> where Michael's like, Oh, you sing it Bob Marley? And Sawyer's like, No. Why do you like Bob Marley? And then Michael's like, Yeah, of course. Who doesn't like Bob Marley? Which is like, Yeah, what a stupid question. What do you mean you like Bob Marley? <laughs> but Sawyer treats it as like, Oh, maybe he's pretty cool then. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, I would be, I would love, it would be extremely funny if he didn't. If Mike was like, no, nah, I hate Bob Marley. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Also, there's two fashion choices here that I think we should talk about. Okay. The first one is Walt is wearing the life jacket at all times while he's on the raft. Uh, nothing really there, but I just think it's cute. Mm-hmm. And then also, h- how do you feel about the top knot from Sawyer? I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, I'm into it. It doesn't feel like man bun territory. No. It feels like he's doing it to be functional, and I think that's why it works. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe that that could be a new look for him. I like it. I had... It made me think of a couple of things. Like, why aren't they all wearing life jackets? Um, and then also, I mean, every time that you go on a plane, aren't there emergency rafts? That... Yes, I think they didn't. They kind of, they there's like a throwaway line right where they mentioned that that's what they packed the inside of the raft with. Oh, okay, okay, got it. But yeah, the um, I mean, here's the thing. We'll talk about this later, of course. But Sawyer's not wearing a life jacket because if Sawyer goes in the water, he's wearing one thing and one thing only, and that is a sopping wet pair of Levi's jeans. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. That's the only thing he will swim in. But yes, I agree. I just think it's funny that they're like, hey, well, this, so you see this, like, rickety uh, piece of shit raft? We're going to take you just into the middle of nowhere with this, but we do want you to be safe, so you do have to put on this life jacket. (laughs) Meanwhile, on the beach, Sun is kind of staring longingly off to sea, uh, and, like, 20 feet behind her, Shannon is struggling, uh, carrying all of her bags and Vincent up to the caves, um... Saeed comes over and asks her about it, and Shannon kind of breaks down, saying it's too much. Uh, Saeed realizes that she's taking Boone stuff to the caves as well. And Saeed says, you know, hey, it's not going to be too much if I carry it for you, and offers to help her. So we get a little bit of reconciliation between them, which is nice. Seems like Shannon has really... (laughs) They're they're still not quite landing on where they want Shannon to be. She definitely has to deal with a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah, they're not sure if she should be likable or 
hated or or what still. This is the first time her hair has not been perfectly neat, though. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is to just really show us that she's in absolute like disarray. She's struggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's struggling. She can't. She can't do that zigzag. Hurley and Kate are sitting on a log, just absolutely shell shocked after seeing Arts blow up. Um, a fair, yeah, that's that's about right. I mean, you know, it it is a little bit silly that he just straight up like got shredded like that. Yeah, like there's no body or anything for them, but that is wild to think about. Like, oh yeah, he was here and now he's not. Hurley tells Kate that he's cursed, but she says it was just an accident. Meanwhile, okay, this is one of my favorite scenes in this episode. I think. Locke and Jack are taking the dynamite out of the box. Locke begins to grab a stick of dynamite, questions what they're doing. Uh, but Locke says this is the only way, so they just have to keep doing it. They uh, <laughs> Locke asks Jack if he ever played Operation, uh, which is funny. He does know that Jack was a surgeon, so that is mm-hmm. a very funny question to ask a surgeon. Uh, but then he says that he always gets stuck on the funny bone. Picks up a piece of dynamite and then does the buzzing noise um, yes. from Operation. That's so funny. Like, that's just, good. that's incredible dedication to the bit, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just watch a guy blow up. <laughs> that's so funny. Did you ever play Operation? Oh, yeah. I, I hated it. Yeah, I mean, looking back, it was horrible. Because it actually, like, gives you a little shock. Yeah, it, it I, I'm just so... My hands do not stay still ever. Mm-hmm. I have whatever the opposite of like a surgeon's hands are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, there's no, I was, I, I don't think I've ever like gotten a piece out of operation without buzzing it. But uh, uh, J- Jack says, do you like to play games, John? And uh, Locke says, absolutely. Terry O'Quinn is just so good. Yeah, he's, it's great. Like, he, that could be so corny. I mean, it is corny that he does it, but, like, in a way that feels authentic to Locke. Yeah. It, it, it just, if it wasn't Terry O'Quinn playing him, these moments would be awful. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it is a bit of a dad joke. Like, the island daddy is kind of coming out um, just uh, really extreme context. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think if my dad would ever make a joke while handling uh, extremely explosive dynamite. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would. I think he'd get. I think he'd realize it's time to be serious. So back on the beach, Charlie builds a Bjorn for Claire. Uh, probably the most helpful thing he's done all Ever. season. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, maybe in his entire life. <laughs> Um, apart from giving us those sweet, sweet tunes, which we all love so much. And she uh, gives him a kiss on the cheek. This is treated as, you know, meaningful. So I think we can assume this is uh, the furthest, they, or the, the closest they've come to being romantic in any way. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about this? I mean, maybe maybe we should wait till the resolution of the storyline, but the, the Charlie-Claire romance, what? Uh, how's it feeling for you in this moment? Yeah really wants to do a good job but like even though I don't remember how it ends I feel like I kind of know how it's gonna end you know like sure I am just not feeling great about it and I feel like Claire deserves a bit more like if it's not with like maybe just finding some independence as a mom like like starting a relationship right now just feels like yes maybe not a great choice narratively the character of Claire 100% deserves a lot more than she's gotten um, 
The yeah, I the thing with in the episode I believe where she where Ethan uh, where they kill Ethan at the end, Ethan comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she she makes the point of like. You know, I you, you weren't you don't care about me. You're just looking for someone to protect, and I'm the most vulnerable person on this island. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that has uh, stopped being true yeah. for Charlie. So <laughs> it still just feels yeah not great. But that's all the romance we're getting this episode. So I guess we better we better love it. Rousseau comes in yelling, looking for Saeed. Uh, Charlie takes off to go find Saeed. Leaves Claire and the baby alone with Rousseau. Uh. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy to me that he would do that. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, very against Rousseau. Yeah, and Saeed kind of knows her, and Hurley, I guess, has honestly had the most positive interaction with her so far. But, like, there's there's been one other time that someone has come out of the jungle looking for Claire, and it was extremely bad news. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why Charlie isn't on high alert here, but... Um, uh, Rousseau starts getting extremely weird about the baby. She's no longer looking for Saeed. And Claire has a sudden memory where she remembers wrestling Rousseau in the jungle. And Claire was the one to scratch up her arm like that, not a bush. In flashback, Charlie is turning his hotel room upside down, looking for brown sugar. He finally finds it, and his one-night stand asks about the drugs... Uh, maybe they could do a little bit more, but he lies and says that they're gone. Uh, they basically have like just the absolute most pathetic fight of all time. Uh, these are two extremely down bad characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, she he finds out that she faked being a fan uh, in order to get drugs. Yeah, she loves drive through. The the problem with that is right. Drive through is a better name for a band. Yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> she was right, I think. Uh, anyways, they fight. Uh, she she overpowers him physically, but can't get the the drugs out of his little palm. So she takes off a bunch and just leaves the hotel room in her underwear, I guess. Uh, and she calls him pathetic as he is lying on the ground. And I can't disagree. I mean, this is a good flashback in terms of showing character development. Mm-hmm. I am starting to see a little bit with this uh, with this flashback structure. It is cool to see all this character development, but it does mean that every one of these flashbacks so far has been a bummer. Yeah. Um, like, all of them have been rough, except for Jack's more likable, I would say, in his flashback when he's getting flirted at in a bar mm-hmm. uh, versus the way he is on the island. But, like, other than that, <laughs> they, they've all been, like, not super fun to watch particularly. So Charlie goes to get Saeed and finds out that Rousseau took the baby and knocked out Claire. Um, Charlie punches Saeed instead of running after Rousseau, who could be, like, what is she, like, 40 seconds ahead of him? Yeah. Like, they're, they're acting like she's just, like, ninja'd out into the jungle, but she's currently carrying a crying baby. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they should be just dashing out after her. And also, it's not Saeed's fault anyways. Right. Like, he says, you let her into the camp, but, like, she just walked into the camp. Nobody has stopped her. Right. Like, she would have found out about the camp even if Saeed had never gone out to uh, find out what was at the end of that wire. <laughs> anyway, Saeed says, yeah, don't do that again. Now, come on, I know where she's going. Uh, meaning, of course, that she's going towards the black smoke. Locke, Kate, and Jack 
uh, argue over who will take the dynamite. This is um, this is weird to me. I've loved everything about this so far. Like finding a pirate ship in the jungle is so cool. The the dynamite stuff is such high stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it needed this at all. Like this weird conflict over who's going to take the dynamite. Jack and Kate. Jack really doesn't want Kate to be the one to do it, and Kate really wants to do it for some reason. It's not really explained well. I don't get. I mean, I don't get why she wants to do it so bad, but I also don't understand why he is so dead set on her. Like maybe it's just a weird paternalism, like protection type thing. You don't know. I guess with Kate, I kind of felt like she was trying to, like she didn't make it on the raft, and I think that she's probably just feeling like maybe a little reckless after that. And I think she also wants to get back in the good graces of the group. Because sure. after like the big reveal that she was a fugitive on the plane, I feel like she maybe lost some karma points. Um, that is a good point. With the island. Yeah. And um, maybe Jack just wants to keep her isolated so that um, he can be the only one that uh, screams at her mercilessly yes. uh, okay. every other week. Anyways, they draw straws and uh, Locke and Kate are the ones who get it. Um and Jack is so mad about this. His face, when it shows that he has the long straw, is um, extremely angry. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, like, what are they doing? The The one doctor on the island shouldn't even be in the equation. That's a great point. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could maybe even argue, like, it shouldn't be Locke either. Like, the, yeah. the guy who can actually get them food. Especially right. now that Jin is, uh, you know... Uh, going to die the second a storm happens. Right. Um, it probably should be Kate and Hurley. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say it. Um, Jack is extremely mad, and then um, Hurley tells him that he has some arts on him. Uh, iconic line, truly disgusting. There's like a little chunk of flesh mm-hmm. on Jack's shirt. On the boat, um, Michael tries out Saeed's radar. Uh, we don't, doesn't seem like anything comes of it, but. Meanwhile, Sawyer is reading the messages in a bottle. This is extremely relatable to me. I think I would also read those messages immediately. (laughs) We know you would because you would read the diary. Yes, I would read the diary for sure as well. Yes. Um, Listen, uh, Emma, I'm a piece of shit. So I will happily just uh, invade people's privacy like that. No, I do like that Sawyer, he gives like a little like, oh, Tracy's... So worried about her husband. Meanwhile, she's shacking up with Scott. Um, uh, I love that he is a drama queen, even though yes. he refuses uh, to uh, admit it. Walt calls him out and says, hey, that's really shitty. Why are you doing that? And uh, Sawyer says, it, it, he does the like little kid thing of asking why over and over uh, until the adult has like no patience left. Uh, but we, you know, he talks about how he's still going to kill uh, the person that he wrote his letter to. Why would you tell a little boy that? Yeah, that is an insane thing to tell Walt, like, for sure. Michael should have jumped in immediately. Like, they're all yeah, in this tiny Yeah, Michael is two feet away. Yeah. <laughs> <Come on laughs> it's now. not like this is, uh, yeah, private. Also, you know, he does, I guess nobody knows that he has a gun yet. Um, I, I will say that this, I didn't, I've never really considered this before, but I guess this is the closest we get to an explanation of why Sawyer wanted on the raft so bad. Right, he wants to survive so that he can still go and get his revenge, mm-hmm. uh, which is extremely sad. Uh, it's fun. I do like any time Walton Sawyer gets to interact, yeah, which definitely. is pretty rare. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, less rare now that I they all share the same five by five space. But Said gives Charlie a gun. Uh, Claire wants to come as well, but she's uh, too much of an emotional wreck. Uh, Charlie calms her down. Um, and she says, Charlie, please go get Aaron, which is what she has named her baby. I, the only way, I mean, these, these episodes are called Exodus, so I guess the only way that you could be more on the nose about naming your kid is to actually just name him Moses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> uh, Charlie promises that he's going to go get Aaron back. What do you think about the name Aaron? Think it fits him? Do you it think still it does? should have been Boone, right? Yeah. It, should, it still should have been Boone. A little Boone year. Boone. Boone year. I love that. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, or, you know, Charlie Pace the second. actually, I guess would have been a good name for the kid. But In flashback, Michael tries talking to Walt, but he's uh, playing his Game Boy and ignoring him. This is extremely relatable to me because I yeah. assume that is how I was as a child at all times. Same here. Man, if you're Walt, you got to be like, I wish that Game Boy had survived the crash. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's good that's got to be a big loss when you realize like oh i could be doing this on the island michael uh goes to a payphone says he has to call work but he goes and calls his mom and asks his mom to take walt because he doesn't have room in his life for walt he lives in a studio apartment and you know works in construction so he's gone early in the morning um his mom you know we just we don't hear anything that she says we just assume she says no, you need to take care of your kid. And he goes, yeah, okay. Um, this is where I wish that we had more characterization for Michael besides just him as a father to Walt. Like, it would be interesting to know what his relationship with his mom is. Yeah. Uh, both that she would, both that he would feel comfortable asking her and she would also just say no. Right. Um, I, I'm. It, it, it's interesting. And we don't hear her on the other line, so they don't really... You know, they haven't cast her, certainly. Um, but it would have been... It would be interesting to see a little bit of between Michael and his mom. hmm Anyways, he hangs up and then turns around um, and uh, Walt is standing there, possibly having heard the entire conversation. Because he needs batteries for his Game Boy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like we ever get confirmation on it. Probably he heard, right? Yeah. Or he heard something. Yeah, that was kind of my gut feeling. Yeah, that's got to be uh, the worst feeling possible. Mm-hmm. But we get a nice contrast to that with on back on the raft. Uh, Michael's letting Walt steer. Uh, Walt asks why Michael and his mom split up and why he never saw Michael. And Michael finally does kind of throw her under the bus a little bit. Not throw her under the bus, but like he's kind of been like taking hits for her so far, right? Like he yeah. he he made it seem like. Uh, uh, well, I guess it was more for Brian, but he made it seem like he was the one that wanted to take Walt originally. Uh, when when Walt was mad about how his mom never gave him any of the letters that Michael sent, Michael kind of was like, no, she was doing what she thought was best. Which is kind of what he says here, but he does finally say, like, yeah, your mom didn't want me to see you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Walt says uh, that she was wrong to keep them apart, which is, yeah, it's really nice seeing I mean, you know, like I said, the downside of these flashbacks is that they're depressing, but the upside is we really get to see the how far they've come over the course of the season. Yeah. But yeah, as they are having this heartfelt uh, talk, uh, the rudder breaks off. It hits a log uh, in the middle of the ocean. I gotta say, not well built. Yeah. I think if if one log is taken off your rudder, maybe you need to come come up with another design. What are you gonna do when there's a storm? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do when the ocean is not like 
a placid lake. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sawyer takes off his shirt, and because, like I said, he only swims in jeans. That's, yeah. Um, and that's canon now. That's happened twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he he does get the raft, or the uh, the rudder back to the raft. They uh, There's a weird thing where Michael's like, Throwing some rope out to him, but it's like really tied in the middle, so it's not long enough to get to him. Um, but anyways, they do get the rudder back, and uh, Michael hands him back his shirt, uh, but notices uh, the gun in it, and it's kind of like testy to Sawyer. He doesn't bring it up directly, but yeah, I don't know why Sawyer would keep it a secret. I gotta say, if I'm setting a gun down, I'm probably telling people. I'm not like throwing it in a bun- in a bundle with my shirt. Yeah, I'm probably gonna be like, "Hey guys, there's a gun right here." Just FYI. Yeah, I don't know. They probably should have talked about that before they set sail. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's true. I like don't remember a ton of the show, but I do remember that scene where Sawyer takes off his shirt, and jumps into the ocean. Sure. I did remember that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> iconic. Um. Yeah, it is iconic. I can't mm-hmm. say I blame you. Yeah, this is the second time as well where we've seen him do like a really nice like Olympic dive yeah. into some water. Like mm-hmm. he really goes for it. He wants to be a swimmer. Yeah, we, we we never really get to explore that side of him, but it's pretty obvious. Yeah, we can read between the uh, lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> back at the caves, uh, everybody else has like made it back. Um, Son tells Shannon about how brave Boone was. And, um, and then Sun asks her if they're being punished, uh, for their lives, uh, off, you know, back when, before they were on the island. Um, Shannon asks by who, and Sun says by fate. And then Claire says there's no such thing as fate. This is weird because Claire is the only person who, like, definitively seems like she was fated to be on, like, with the whole thing with the psychic and yeah, all that. Right. Like, it seems like maybe if there's one person who believes in fate, it might be her. But yeah, so this is actually the first time, I, once they finish talking about Boone, I guess, this is the first time that the show actually passes uh, the Betchdale test. Really? Um, no, I have no idea. Oh, I was going to say, I, what? Yeah, no, it, it. I do, I like this scene. It does feel like they. it was written so that they could... Uh, because maybe they realize, like, hey, maybe our female characters are, can talk to each other as well. Yeah. Maybe we don't. Ju- maybe every scene doesn't have to be three guys, and then the one girl that we're counting as um, important for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think that this is probably the first time that I remember seeing just like three women talking in a scene. Yeah, for sure. Which is a bummer because all of like I'm trying to think. Shannon probably has the most... Well, no, they're all pretty well characterized. Um, Claire, honestly, just by virtue of, I think, she was in less episodes than everyone, I guess, probably has, like, the smallest part in the show. Mm-hmm. But the, her being the pregnant woman at the beginning is, like, just such an iconic thing for the show as well that I feel... I, I, I think maybe Sun, they've... they've done the least with and they've kind of started to rectify that towards the back half of the this season yeah um but yeah i agree i mean it is it is nice that they uh, to see them like letting the women talk to each other i guess Said and charlie i love this scene is charlie the new boon maybe 
like kind of right like they've yeah. already we've already established that they're the exact same size uh earlier in the show according to kate they trek to the black smoke but like saeed is like you know action man running through the jungle to get to uh and then we see like charlie like behind him like stumbling and like breathing heavy like charlie's <laughs> having a much harder time uh getting through the jungle um they take a, a break at the plane wreckage um, and so, you know, we're kind of wondering how is this going to, I think everyone's wondered, kind of figured that this was going to happen yeah. eventually. Right. But, but yeah, Charlie finally sees the heroin, the essentially unlimited amount of heroin that is on this plane. Uh, <laughs> the crew with the dynamite starts to head back to the hatch. Uh, they, they kind of argue about how they should be, uh, formed and, Jack and Kate are kind of one group, and Locke and Hurley are another group. The scenery here is, like, fantastic. Yeah. It looks so good. You know, we've got them crossing uh, bubbling streams over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over uh, fallen trees. Like, I mean, it really looks really good. Hurley asks Locke uh, what Locke thinks is in the hatch uh, after they joke about it for a little bit. Um, and Locke eventually says that he thinks that hope is inside. Uh, not a real answer, but I guess that's something. I mean, we really haven't got... Besides... I mean, Locke has been kind of a mysterious character the whole show up till now. Um, we really haven't gotten why he thinks that he needs to be doing the stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, other, I guess, than the fact that the island did heal him. So it makes sense that he would be on board with whatever the island wants to do. Um, or at least that's how he feels. But... Um, yeah, uh, the last thing that happens in the episode is a bird, a CGI bird, comes down and scares them. It has a very weird cry. When this show aired, I would say, I mean, there were some theories about what was going on, right? Because there was some mystery in the show, even from the beginning, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, what the monster is. Um, but the theories... I would say this is the first instance of these theories getting absolutely bad shit. They, uh, the, there's a theory that went around that this bird was saying Hurley's name as it was, like, flying away. Um, it has a weird cry, and what I have discovered is that it's actually the same noise as when, um, in episode five or six, The Moth, where, where Locke captures a boar by using Charlie as bait... When the boar is, like, squirming in the trap and shrieking, it makes the exact same noise. And so they just reuse that sound effect for this bird. But, yeah, do you uh, do you think that it sounds like the word Hurley? It went right over my head. And then you yeah. had sent that YouTube clip, uh, clip where they, like, kind of call it out that it, the bird is supposedly saying Hurley. And I guess I kind of hear it. But it just sounds like a monster to me, or like a yeah. some like ominous noise, distorted noise. It doesn't really, I don't know. Well, it, it, it to me, it it just sounds different. But like, you can totally he, understand how like people who are just going insane yeah. with like six <laughs> months of downtime in between seasons and they're desperate to know what's going on on Lost, like develop this theory. Um, yeah. It's, uh, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll have to find out if there's any more resolution to that theory over the course of the show. Anyways, that's the end of the episode. (laughs) 
like we said, not to, I, I, this is the only one that's ever ended with to be continued at the end. But yeah, this episode comes in at number 11 on IMDb. Which, here's my thought on it. I think that it is getting a lot of juice from the next, from part three. Okay. But they rank them separately? Yeah, they're ranked separately. So my guess would be that people are looking at it and saying, oh, Exodus part two, that's the finale. And it is, but in syndication and on uh, DVDs and that kind of stuff, Exodus part two is just this first half. Right. So I think that it's just getting some points because the next episode is pretty fantastic. Or we'll see. Maybe maybe it isn't. I haven't watched it yet. So um, yeah, I certainly this half this half of the two parter episode does not stack up compared to last week's. Like just Wasn't the, last the moment week's like twenty five. Or yeah, it was yeah. I think it was twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Um. So pretty close, but like. You know, the ending with the boat is just phenomenal. Yeah, really good. And this is just kind of like, and there's a bird that says, maybe somebody's name. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, really surprising to me. But, I mean, again, like we said at the top of the episode here, like, it's all building up to the next one. But yeah, so that's Exodus Part 2. I think that just about does it. Next week we'll be finishing up our... Uh, season finale here. Finally get to the end of season one. All it took was, uh, six months. Um, <laughs> that's the fun part of having these long, long seasons. But, uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about that next week. If you can, please, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. Um, honestly, just tell your friends about Lost. Yeah. Um, talk to them about it. Really get it back in the zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I think that would help us a lot. If Lost like suddenly became popular again, I'm trying to think of what that would take for Lost to become big again, like a revival, like some sort of of... cast members like really did actually like crash on an island. Oh, that would yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Okay, so if um, I'm not saying I want that, but no, no, I don't want that either. But do it as a promotional thing. Yeah, (laughs) gather the cast of Lost back up. If you have to put Matthew Fox at one end of the plane and Dominic Monaghan at the other end of the plane, that's fine. But you just get them all on the same plane, and then you pretend to crash it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that would be really good for our podcast. Yeah. So just go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, give us, a, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, send us an email, allthebestpodcasts at gmail.com. Tweet at us at allthebestpods on Twitter. Um, and... Uh, Until next week, get lost. Get lost.